0: I singing with us this morning. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to go in the Word of God. It's a true story. When I <clears throat> was in Alamogordo, New Mexico, I entered that church. I was saved about 10 months. <clears throat> basically a new convert. And this guy in the church, he was a great guy. He was instrumental in the foundation of that church. And um, he had a call of God on his life to preach the gospel. He knew that. It was was an actual call of God. And one time he went to conference. At that time, we used to go up to Gallup, New Mexico to conference, and he just felt like God was dealing with him. And it was in that conference he said, I don't want to preach the gospel. And it's very true, very true story. He's not alive today to talk about it, (laughs) amen, but... He was involved in—I don't know if it was electronics, radio communication, whatever—in the military, in the air force, and so getting out that can take you to lucrative positions and good jobs, but you—you know—you got to move around a little bit. Slowly but surely, I saw his life slowly deteriorate, little by little, moving away from the call of God, away from being involved. He worked with so many people in the early days, but now he's drifting out. And before you know it, he's not even in church anymore. Years go on. I think it was even while I was here, his life went full circle. He came back, and he ended back up in New Mexico. And at that time, he was dying of cancer. And the cancer did have to do with his job being around the radio waves. He was out on an island somewhere in the Pacific And all the things he was involved in, and you know, not everybody dies from that, but he did. Came back to Alamogordo, and his one thing was, I should have answered the the call of God to preach, but I didn't. Now I've gone full circle. The what I gave myself to killed me. And uh, he got his heart right with God. Of course, went on to be with Jesus. Praise God for that. One thing that stands out in doing the will of God. And this is the thing that always gets my attention, that God knows things we do not know. It's, it's not just about whether I want to do what God wants me to do or not. There's things, in, there's things intrinsic to the word of, will of God that, you know, as chances are he's protecting me. He's saving me from myself. He's saving me from the elements. Just like this man... He went that direction. It wasn't wicked. It wasn't evil. It just wasn't the will of God. That's all. That's all it was. He's, he's a good man, good family, he's still married to his wife the whole, the whole time, children still with him. Not an evil man at all. He just wasn't in the will of God. That's all it was. God knows things that we don't know. Amen. You know, it is possible that we all have wanted to do something and have been prevented somehow only to find out down the road that we are really spared something bad. We don't always know the will of God, but God has to come down and spare us from time to time from bad mistakes. The question is, what is the will of God for my life? Finding the will of God, Acts chapter 16. Verse number six. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go through into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to uh, Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. And We'll just stop right there try to bring in the rest of the story. I want to look at finding the will of God. Let's look first of all at the mystery of the will of God. And we find this really in our text. Paul is planning to go to Asia. Amen. Uh, He was called to preach the gospel. We can go all the way back to the Damascus Road. And God had put put on his heart to take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's exactly what he's doing. He is taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what? Asia is the place to be. He's there operating even now. He's operating in that area. People are getting saved. And so obviously in his mind, he's moving that direction. Nothing wrong with that. Amen. He sets out to do this. He believes he's in the will of God. He's not doing anything to say otherwise. Amen. And all of a sudden, he hits a wall and God forbids him. He feels the restriction of the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes you'll hear the word, he feels checked in his spirit. You know, the spirit of God will check you. Amen. Don't do that. He's not forced, amen. He's not in a place where he's so forced that he cannot overcome. It's not like he's trying to go to age. All of a oh man, come on. You know, put up some kind of inv- invisible force, you know what I mean? Like he, he can't go to Asia. You know, it's like, you know, God has you know, got him by the leg or something. It's like, no, no. He's just being checked in his spirit. He can do whatever he wants to do, amen. He can go to Asia just as he's planning to go to Asia. But he's being checked, amen, because I'll tell you, God will allow you to pursue your own will. Paul's obviously confused because he believes he's in the will of God. Amen. And you know, the end result, when you look at this, and you can look in history, it's very true, he goes westward, we'll say he's in Turkey, he goes towards Europe, instead of going eastward into Asia, right? And so, you know, it gives you the landscape of our world today, right? The result is, amen, the East has always been a mystery and an enigma to this day. China's still an enigma. The whole East is a mystery, amen, but yet West into Europe and you see Western civilization and how it is born out. You don't see people leaving America going to China. You don't see people leaving anywhere else going, they leave and they come here, the Western world. And it's traced all the way back to this man's decision. That's how important the will of God is. He don't know this. He didn't have a clue. He don't. I, I mean, if he would have saw the map today of the world, it'd be like, wow, that one decision did this? It gives insight to also the difficulty of found, finding the will of God and its far-reaching impact upon people. You can be in the will of God and yet not know the will of God for your life. It's very true. He's in the will of God, but he doesn't know the will of God for his life at this very moment. Paul, he's a man of God. Paul's not carnal, right? He's he's a good man. Amen. He knows how to hear from God, he's not a novice. He's planting churches, amen, but he's struggling over the will of God for his life at this very point in time. He's not a new convert. He's seasoned. He understands some things, amen. But listen, we don't have it all figured out, amen. The the idea that you'll always know the will of God is simply not true. You know, you can be in the will of God and not know you're in the will of God. You can be doing what God has called you to do, but yet, in a sense, be out of the will of God, just like he is. I'm going to Asia. No, that's not the will of God. Well, I'm preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. This is what you told me to do on the Damascus road. Come on, don't make this so hard. You know, Moses figured he was the deliverer of Israel. Or, yeah, the deliverer of Israel, but he just, he just missed it by 40 years. <laughs> He was the deliverer of Israel. That's true, but not at that very moment. Joseph has a vision, you know, and he's talking about his vision. You know, this is what's going to come to pass. But, you know, after 20-some-odd years, maybe, of disappointment and heartache, all of a sudden, finally, the pieces come together. David, you know, elevated after Goliath, amen, he marries the king's daughter. Can't get any better than this, you would guess, (laughs) And then, of course, he suffers humiliation. He's a a fugitive. uh, And, uh, you know, and looking back, he can see what God is doing and how it pans out. But at the time, it's like, what happened? What was that anointing to be king all about? Verse 7, here's Paul trying to find the will of God. He tries Bithynia. You know, it's like he knows what not to do. He just simply doesn't know what to do. That's very important, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because sometimes when we don't know what to do, we do what we know what we shouldn't do. No, Paul knew what not to do. He wasn't just sure of what to do. And many times you will know what not to do before you will know what to do. And our text spells that out. And so he's got that direction. He knows not to go this direction. But he doesn't know which direction God wants to take him. There's a word of caution here. Because I'll tell you, sometimes when you don't know, you you get people speaking into your life. You know, I call them Pentecostal fortune tellers. Seducers. You know, you get a phone call. Hey, bro, I had a dream about you. Okay. Okay. Dream on. (laughs) I know what not to do. The truth is the future belongs to him who knows the end from the beginning. He chooses to reveal or he chooses not to reveal. You know, people talk about knowing about when Jesus is coming back. You know, the Bible says only God knows. (laughs) But it doesn't (laughs) matter, does it? People write books on it. They get on the TV about it. Hey, he's coming back in July. I knew it. (laughs) He spoke to me. But the Bible says you don't know. Oh, well, that's okay. (laughs) We have a desire to know is what that means. You have to be careful of false prophets when they come along. Amen. Paul's a godly man. He's not carnal. Yet he does not know what to do. So let's consider this roadmap, if you will, to God's will. Because men need guidance, C.S. Lewis said, there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. (laughs) Let me read that again, if you didn't catch it. There are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. People have a way of getting lost. Don't operate with the map or compass, amen. As a result, thought they were going one way when they were going just the opposite way. I can remember I was (laughs) was working with an electrician in England, and in England you have you know people from the Middle East. They're there, and you know sometimes they don't like people from the Middle East. And so he had these guys from Pakistan uh, ask him um, ask him the directions to London. He gave him directions. to Carlisle, which is in the north. (laughs) He said, you get on this road, you just don't worry about the signs. When you get close, you'll see the signs. (laughs) And so they took off and went north to Carlisle. But they were supposed to be going south. (laughs) He thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it was. Not for them, though. Sometimes people are going north when really they're going south. see, it's possible as a believer to make wrong choices, right? It's possible to miss the will of God. If, if you just think, I'll do this or that, it'll work out, you're going to be in for a big surprise. The working out thing, when it comes to God's will, you, you got to know God's will. So we need guidance. And so in our text, I believe there's a f- three things that might help us, that infer to us things that'll, that will will Help us. Amen. First of all, when I look at Paul's life, and this is all centered on Paul, Paul had a a faithful prayer life. And even though he felt he was in the will of God and doing what God wanted, amen, he still maintained a prayer life, right? So it doesn't matter if you're doing what God wants you to do. You still pray, right? You still lay hold of God and and contend in prayer. You know, it, it doesn't tell us how he heard this call, but I would definitely say he probably heard it in prayer. I know you can hear things. I know God speaks in prayer. And one of the things that help you and maintain, helps you maintain the will of God is a relationship with God in prayer. God can direct and God can speak, amen. It's the normal daily affairs of prayer that God can drop something into your heart, amen. It's in the normal daily affairs of prayer that God can direct you with a simple word. Matthew 6.10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. It has to, in other words, come from above. I don't know God's will unless God speaks to me of his will. I don't know which direction to go. He said you can't go into Bithynia. You can't go into Asia. I don't know which way to go. Only God can bring that down to you and I. I know what not to do. I just don't know what to do. God, you're going to have to bring a word to my life. Isaiah thirty twenty one your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, amen. What a joy to hear God's voice behind you, amen. And if you'll pray, uh, God will speak to you about life. He will help you. Because I tell you what, it's only in prayer that God can cause you to shift gears. Amen. There's a second thing. In Paul's life, that's, I think, a part of hearing the word of God or the will of God for your life, and as personal integrity. You have to respect a man or a woman who can hear the word no. No, I don't want you to do that. No, I don't want you to go there. There's a lot of no's in living for God. It's just the ability to hear. See, Paul knew what not to do. He could hear the word, no. I don't want you to go to Asia. The text says they were forbidden. That's no. Even though they had it all figured out. Even though they felt they were doing the will of God. Even though they're reaching the Gentiles, like God, Jesus spoke to Paul on the Damascus road. They're doing good things for God. Even in the midst of that, amen. What's wrong with preaching the gospel? I don't want you preaching the gospel here. And he has an integrity that, you know what? God said no. I can live with that. I don't understand it. I don't grasp it. But I know he grasps far more than I grasp. He does know the end from the beginning. This man didn't know he was going to get cancer. There's just no way to know that. Not everybody gets cancer in that business, but some do. It's like the guy, you know, is living 99 years old, and he says, what's the, you know, what's the secret to life? Smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. It's like, okay, for you, pal. But I know plenty of people who smoke cigars and drink whiskey, and they're not here today. It's just the way it works sometimes. You know what I'm saying? God knew that. God knows the end from the beginning. I called you to preach the gospel, not to be out on an island somewhere in the Pacific, which I'm sure is wonderful, wonderful weather. You're making good money. Loving your wife and your children. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Except, no. I called you to preach the gospel. See, God could hear, or Paul could hear God's no. He was able to sort out between his personal preferences and the will of God. He was able to sort out what he wanted to do and what God wanted him to do. He could put them in two piles and go, this is what I want to do, but this is what God wants me to do. Not try to put them together, you know. Well, you know, I can serve God over here just like I can. No, you're putting them together. You're taking what you want to do with what God wants you to do. Trying to put them together. Paul said, no, we're not going to do that. Amen. Because sometimes we like to couch our personal desires into spiritual terms. Amen. I just feel this is what God wants me to do. Listen, emotions are a bad compass in life. They just really are. Amen. Paul could have said the same thing, but, but his, his integrity caused him not to. Listen, I can't tell you if it's the will of God. I, I can't tell you if it's the will of God. Amen. You have to work this out. You have to work this out on the anvil of your heart. I can tell you what I feel. I can tell you what I sense. I can tell you what I've seen. I can tell you what I know, what the word of God says. But when it comes right down to it, this has got to be worked out in your own heart. Because if I can tell you what to do, guaranteed within another six months, you're going to hate my guts. Well, you told me. I've been miserable ever since. I ain't telling you anything. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Just telling you what the Word of God says, what I feel, what I sense, what I've seen, what I know. I'm just going to lay that on a table. You can take the pieces and pick it up, do what you want. You have to put this integrity into place. You have to put that integrity into place. You have to be able to hear God's know. There's a third thing, and that's the safeguard of patience. Paul ended up staying in Troas till he heard from God. Amen. He decided to wait on God. Over the years, people rise up and they do things. They launch out into things. And I'm telling you, time and time again, it ends in disaster. They run off, amen. They become, you know, self-appointed, this or that. End up in never, never land. Never ending up doing the will of God. You have to have patience and allow God to work this thing through. Sometimes there's a time period. God's got to work things through. You know, Pastor Mitchell preached a sermon one time. uh, Good things come to those who wait. Think about Abraham. He didn't wait for the promise. Got an Ishmael. We're dealing with that today. Yes, eventually Isaac did come. Good things come to those who wait. And yes, he did wait for Isaac, but in the meantime, in the early stages, he wasn't waiting for anything. You know, cooked up this plan, and oh my goodness. No, good things come to those who wait. And it's very true. Patience, integrity, and prayer. Let's consider one more thing this morning, and then we'll pray. That's the marks of the will of God. How do you know the will of God? See, our text starts out, excuse me, that he thought he knew. I'm going to go into Bithynia. So he's, you know, in, in his own mind, he knows that what he's doing is the will of God. I'm going into Bithynia. He thought he knew, but he didn't. He starts to pray. He exercises integrity. He's waiting on God. He's putting those things, you know, t- you know t- together, amen. How do you know that this is the will of God? Well, verse 10 says, concluding. And so obviously he's come to a conclusion, amen. So what, what does that point out to? One, he waited for a clear sign. He stays in Taras because he's not going to wish or dream or hope, amen. He needs to hear from God and it needs to be clear. I'll tell you, if you'll, if you'll pray, God will speak. Amen. Because the presumption is always God will bless my plan. God will work this out. It's not true. See, praying about it is not the same as getting a word from God. You do know that. Well, you don't understand. I prayed about it. Did you get a word from God? Did you get a word from God? Amen. Was God showing you something? Were you, are you settled in your spirit? Or are we just moving out thinking, you know, well, that's what I'm going to do. And God's going to work it out. He saw the will of God, secondly, in the context of evangelism. Because the will of God is not about you. It's actually about others. And sometimes this is in the bigger scheme of things. The will of God always centers on others. It always centers on the lost. It's not about us or my destiny, my ministry, my name, my comfort, my blessing, my desires. God wants me to be happy. Do the will of God, you'll be happy. But we don't think that way, do we? No, 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 wait a minute. I've got a list right here, the happy list. (laughs) If God will do all these things, I'll be happy. No, if you'll do his will, you'll be happy. Amen. Will of God's about helping others, meeting their needs. Amen. There's a third thing: will of God comes with a sense of peace. Because as you look at our text, obviously Paul ends up as you carry on. He ends up in Philippi. He goes down by the river to pray as uh, people did, and he meets Lydia. God opens her heart. she gets saved. Goes back to her house, has a Bible study. He also has a demon-possessed girl. It works that way. <laughs> he doesn't know she's demon-possessed. Amen. So, so this is a result of this vision, right? He comes over, says, come on over, uh, we man of Macedonian man, we need help, amen. So he he you know, he leaves Asia and he, you know, and, and here he is, he's in Philippi. He's got Lydia and Psycho, and you know, it's just it's just working out that way. Amen. You know, she's screaming all the time, you know, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim us the way of salvation. It's like, is that all she ever says? First of all, it clicks in his head. It's like, well, this has got to be dealt with later on. But at first it's like, okay, well, I guess that's just the way it works out sometimes. You got a Lydia and you got a crazy one. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. But of course he sees that this is not the case. Cast out the demons. Doesn't know she's moonlighting as a fortune teller. And of course, the result is he gets beaten and thrown in jail. All this to find the will of God. (laughs) It's in the context of finding the will of God. In jail, licking his wounds. Amen. Trying to find this Macedonian man, if you know what I'm saying. But somewhere in all of this, there has to be peace that says, I'm in the will of God. No matter how hard it gets. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, you know, there, there's got to be a peace. He hears from God. It's like, here he is, and he's dealing with these things. Yes, is a blessing. The girl screaming about all this stuff is a bit of crazy, amen. It's not really lining up too well, but there you go. That's just life. We're just going to keep on going. I just, I just feel good about this. I feel the peace of God. I'm not just saying because I'm getting my way, because he's not getting his way. He's there and he's not connecting with the Macedonian man. He's not connecting with this voice, amen, this dream that or this vision that God has given him, amen. So it is hard and sometimes it is hard when when you're in the will of God. He's not seeing what he wants. But you don't have to be confused and unsure and uncertain. Things can be hard, life can be difficult. Paul says, I know I'm in the will of God. And I'm gonna work this thing through. There has to be a peace. We find later on, Paul and Silas singing in jail. There's an earthquake. You know the story, the doors open, all the prisoners' shackles are free. That's God. Philippian jailer runs in, he's ready to kill himself because he knows if he doesn't kill himself, they'll kill him. Even though it's an earthquake, and it's not, I know it's not his fault, but doesn't matter. You will die. So he's going to kill himself before they kill him. Paul says, don't. Don't do that. Nobody's escaped. You see, it was right there. Paul met the Macedonian man. Spark of revival. Right after this, let out of jail. This guy gets saved. His family gets saved. His whole household. We have a move of God. We have a church now established in Philippi. When you're in the will of God, there's a the peace of God. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means it's the best place to be. I want to close with this parable. It's from the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He's Danish, so I can't say his name. So <laughs> He's dead. He won't say anything. When discontent, consider the lily. There once was a lily. It's a, a flower. There once was a lily who lived a happy life beside a rippling brook. This beautiful little flower in its simple surroundings was content and carefree until one day. Until the day when the bird showed up. Now this fez- feathered visitor was a show off, a braggart, teller of tales. It would swoop in and fill a lily's head full of stories of better places and far more beautiful flowers. Each story was crafted to convey the message that, in comparison to other flowers and other places, this poor lily was a nobody, a failed lily, captive to simplicity, embarrassing, inadequate. Following each visit from the bird, the lily fretted more. It couldn't sleep, no longer woke up happy. It felt incapacitated by not-enoughness. The beautiful little flower, once content, now realized in comparison with others out there in the wide world, it was ugly, deficient, incarcerated in its familiar surroundings. But the bird was there to help. The bird had the answers, so together they formulated a plan. Early one morning, the bird landed beside the lily and began pecking away at the soil around its roots. Now liberated, the lily was under, placed under the wings of the bird, and f- away they flew to the better place. In that better place where lilies were more beautiful, where life was fuller, the flower told itself to, it would truly be a lily worthy of the name. But at last they never made it. High in the heavens, rootless and finally free of its former constraints, the lily withered and the lily died. The end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now I gotta try to make this thing work. <laughs> No better place than the will of God. Don't let the bird of discontent uproot you. Don't let the bird of discontent uproot you. Amen. No better place than the will of God. It might not be the easiest place. It might not always feel the most wonderful, but it's the place to be. Because listen, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows things that we just simply don't know. And sometimes the will of God is just about that. It's not just about doing kingdom business. It's just not being a preacher behind a pulpit or a missionary in a foreign nation. Sometimes it's just that you can continue on being a witness to a ripe old age. Sometimes it's about you in in the latter days being protected and blessed and helped. I can't bless you then if I can't speak to you now. If I can't get you in the will of God right now, I can't do anything for you 20 years from now. Sometimes it's just about that. Sometimes it's not about all the high callings of ministry. Sometimes it's just about God's love for you. If you'll do my will now, amen, it'll lead to something wonderful down the road that you cannot see or know, and I can't even explain it to you. Can I tell you no today? That later on, I can say yes, and oh, I can do this, and we can go here, and we can go there. No better place than the will of God. When you feel content, remember the lily. Let's be honest, lilies are beautiful no matter where they're at. <laughs> the bird was just a big mouth, bringing discontent. It wasn't true. Amen. But it was just another way to uproot that lily. See, that's what the devil wants to do. He just wants to uproot you, but you have such a future in the will of God. You have things in the will of God you know not of yet. You haven't even partaken of or tasted or laid hold of. They're in the days to come. They're over the hill. You can't see them, but can you do the will of God today? That's the important thing. Let's bow our heads this morning.